Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we continue our ride guide series with the new attractions opened in Toy Story Land back in 2018. Find old episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, or you can support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions for the podcast, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at www.deciphered on Twitter, or on Facebook and Instagram, DisneyDeciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So on today's episode, we are continuing our ride guide series. We are going to go back to Hollywood Studios to Toy Story Land, the second newest land at Hollywood Studios, which... uh, opened a few years ago before we get to that we have a few new patrons that we want to thank leslie who are we thanking today today we are thanking our new patrons rylan and evelyn w really appreciate you supporting the podcast if you want to join in the elite group of disney deciphered patreon subscribers you can go to patreon.com slash disney deciphered all right, so let's talk about Toy Story Land. So there are actually three attractions in Toy Story Land, but we're only going to talk about two today. But why don't you start us off with uh, just a brief history about Toy Story Land's opening? What do we need to know about Toy Story Land before we get into the attractions? All right, well, Toy Story Land opened on June 30th, 2018, and Joe, you and I were there. In fact, we recorded <laughs> within Toy Story Land, this podcast, so like, I guess we're kind of getting ancient in the grand scheme of things if we can look all the way back that far. But the land opened with two new attractions, which we'll talk about today, Slinky Dog Dash and Alien Swirling Saucers, and it also included a new quick service restaurant, Woody's Lunchbox, and incorporated Toy Story Mania, which was a ride that was already there, but that ride expanded to three tracks, so it got bigger. And Toy Story Land isn't done yet. We are all waiting, and we've been waiting for like how many years (laughs) for the opening of Woody's Roundup Barbecue, which was supposed to open, I guess, like pre-pandemic and then 2022 sometime this year. We'll wait and see. Yeah, they still say 2022 on Disney World's website, so we'll see um, how that goes. Now, for where Toy Story Land is located, it is adjacent to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It's kind of towards the back of the park. For anyone who has rope dropped, which we'll talk to about later toy story land you know you got to go almost all the way to the back of the park to get there it is its own land uh, and it's very well themed there is of course the attractions but the theming itself in toy story land is great you feel like you're in andy's backyard everything is small uh including stuff in the bathrooms which has always been kind of comical everything either looks either very small or very big it's kind of uh weird amalgam of those things but the theming works very well all the Things that you see, benches, all that stuff are themed after kids' things like Tinker Toys or Domino's, Brio Train Tracks, which is what your son noticed um, all the way back the first time he went. So all that's very cool, except for the they did add some umbrellas later 
because it was just way too hot in there, not enough shade, which are not themed. But very nice land. And like Leslie said, we're going to be talking about two attractions today, Slinky Dog Dash and Alien Swirling Saucers. And a reminder, for those of you who may not have listened to one of our Ride Guide episodes before, we're going to go through all the details of the attractions, including spoilers, although there's not much to spoil today. And also, we're going to talk about who the ride might make sense for. And finally, we will give each ride our tier ranking from s to f where s is the best and f of course is the worst so let's start things off with slinky dog dash what are the basics that we need to know leslie all right like i said it opened with the land in june of 2018 slinky dog dash has a height requirement of 38 inches so that's pretty much on the lowest end of height requirements for coasters and so we'll talk about how that works um the premise backstory from disney is as follows. Take off on a family-friendly coaster that twists and turns past giant toys and springs across Andy's oversized backyard. Yes, operative word being spring there. Uh, I didn't pick that up the first time I saw that, but very springy roller coaster. The queue is all outside, but a lot of it is covered. Now, the problem with the queue is sometimes it spills out into the walkway, which is why they actually set up those previously mentioned non-themed green umbrellas or maybe they're blue i can't remember the color i think they are green you will sometimes find that the queue runs all the way down the pathway that goes up to slinky dog dash and then into the main portion of toy story land that's when you know that the attractions line is really out of control and that's when you see the cast member standing there with the little sign saying slinky dog dash queue starts here when you get into the actual queue, it is very lovely. There's just lots of little details. The premise is kind of like Andy is has made Slinky Dog Dash. It's like a roller coaster that he made out of his toys. So you see all sorts of plans that he has for not only the coaster, but other ideas that he had. There are Toy Story touches all over the place. Look up at the ceiling, look to the side, left and right. There's just all these things to look at. So a very well-themed queue. And then even though it's outside, a lot of it is covered, so it's not too bad. Another thing to know about the queue is at the end when you split up, they actually, when they ask you how many people are in your party, they split the odd-numbered groups and the even-numbered groups into two lines, which actually makes the line more efficient overall, but unfortunately because of that, there's no single rider line they handled that already by splitting people up. So there are no pre-shows. Tell us about the ride capacity and get us started on the ride run-through. So we had a little bit of difficulty finding truly accurate numbers for the ride capacity. Numbers do seem a bit all over the place, but consider it a moderate capacity coaster. It takes between about 1,000 to 1,400 guests per hour. So not a people eater, but not a you know complete waste of space, I guess. Okay, so let's dive now into the ride itself. It's a pretty short coaster in the grand scheme of things. It's just about two minutes long, but you are riding on a Slinky Dog toy. That is your ride vehicle. And you're going to see and hear sort of things related to that. You're going to hear sort of slinky noises throughout. It's sort of a weird way to describe it, but that's that's what we're doing here. And the coaster itself doesn't have sort of what you would think of it with a lot of like, say, Six Flags style coasters where you have like a big, big climb and then a giant drop. So instead, you kind of get accelerated out to start the ride. So it's a nice, you know, smooth start. And the, the whole ride itself is is quite smooth being a, a brand new coaster as well. First section of the coaster has some big turns, a couple of small ups and downs. And then in the middle of the coaster, you have a little bit of a surprise. You actually stop 
And you've probably seen some photos where there are these sort of circle rings that go around the track that say, ready, set, go. And you're sitting there and you're waiting for them to count down. And then basically you get accelerated again. So this is the slinky, right? You're stopping, you're getting pulled, and then you're getting flung ahead onto the next part of the track. And then the second part of the track, this is where you're going to have a little bit of the bigger thrills. You're going to have bigger turns and then a section where you're doing up and down and up and down and up and down. If you've gone on Radiator Springs Racers in Disneyland, it's kind of that kind of up and down and up and down. So you get your stomach in your throat a couple of times, but it's nothing giant in the grand scheme of things. And then at the end, you have a great little section while you're waiting for the coaster in front of you to offload. You see Wheezy the penguin listen for something. I won't spoil that part, right, Joe? Definitely. On terms of the slinky noises, I, it's it's kind of just imagine like a boingy spring. You know, you're hearing those sounds throughout the attraction, which really does add to the experience overall that, you know, you do feel like you're on a slinky coaster. I will say the not the lack of a hill climb, I think is both good and bad, depending on what type of kid you have or what kind of what type of adult you are, really, because you just accelerate immediately, you're just thrown into the fire. I mean, it's not a super fast coaster, but you are just thrown into it, which I think for my kids freaked them out a little bit because they weren't ready. But at the same time, sometimes when you're going up that big hill, that anticipation is what kind of kills you and gets you all nervous. So just bear that in mind. It's not a coaster where you have that anticipation building up. Now, who this attraction is for, we said it in a previous episode, but this is kind of one of the second roller coasters we would recommend you trying out at Walt Disney World. Barnstormer is the beginner's coaster, but this is the coaster that you should try after that if you're working your kids up to more and more difficult coasters. See our previous episode about dealing with kids who are scared to ride on thrill rides. Uh, And the really nice thing about Slinky Dog Dash is how smooth it is. Um, You know, I think that makes a big difference from, you know, you could see the same types of ups and downs and same types of turns on a wooden roller coaster that would feel a lot scarier just because it's shaking all the time. And Slinky Dog Dash is not as smooth as it was when it opened in 2018, but it's still very smooth, which makes it a really nice beginner coaster. But who might not like this attraction? Leslie. So anybody who's not ready for coasters, um, we've talked about my son. He did not want to ride this on the last trip. We weren't quite there yet. And I think, you know, if you have real motion sickness issues, you should at least be aware, especially about that part where you're going up and down and up and down. Like I said, stomach in your throat kind of thing. It might cause some people some issues, but I mean, nowhere on the same order of magnitude as something like Cosmic Rewind, which we've talked about before. Definitely just be aware of that. But I mean, the great thing about Slinky Dog Dash is it's one of those coasters that you can see the entire track beforehand so you can decide if you want to ride it and you know you can see the the track as you're riding it so you can see what's coming and so I think that's something that makes it a great ride that you can kind of go into with an educated understanding of what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, and there's a viewing area too. It's a nice waiting area if you're waiting for people. And it's also a nice place to take pictures or just to check out the coaster to see how it feels. I will say that personally, I'm not sure like, I mean, it just might be how my particular motion sickness manifests itself. But Slinky Dog Dash is one of the coasters that I feel like the worst on after. I mean, I love it. It's a lot of fun, but I don't know. Those up and down sections at the end, you know, it's one long section where it's like three or four in a row. I'm just like at the end of that, I'm like, I'm done with this. 
bring on Wheezy. So we said in the Seven Dwarfs Mind Train episode that your second coaster is either Seven Dwarfs Mind Train or Slinky Dog Dash. So for me personally, even though I prefer Slinky Dog Dash as a coaster, Seven Dwarfs Mind Train might be the lesser of the thrilling rides just because I, I feel a little sicker when I get done with this. But that could just be me. All right, let's get to how to ride this attraction. One of the toughest attractions at Walt Disney World to ride. Why is that, Leslie? Tell us about the Genie Plus situation. Yeah, so this is the first attraction to run out of Lightning Lanes anywhere in Walt Disney World. So In the whole world. <laughs> in the whole world. <laughs> Anywhere in Walt Disney World, any park, Slinking Dog Dash is the first one to run out of Lightning Lane. So that means that you have to get this first. Whether you're starting the morning in Hollywood Studios or you're planning to hop to Hollywood Studios, if you want a Lightning Lane for Slinky Dog Dash, this has to be your first selection at 7 a.m. You have to be on there. You have to make your selection. I mean, occasionally you might be able to find a random drop of times throughout the day, but you really can't count on it. So buyer beware, be warned, all of that. You've got to get this at 7 a.m. Yeah, and we'll insert a quick aside here that since we started recording these ride guides, Disney has made an update where before 7.30, you cannot even see your return time for lightning lanes, which means you just want to click through as fast as possible, pull a clock up from time.gov at 7.0000 a.m. on the dot. Just make sure and click through Slinky Dog Dash as quickly as you can. Even before, I really liked using Slinky Dog Dash on a park hopping day because I didn't want to risk having a later return time and not being able to get another lightning lane. Now with this change where you can't even see the time that you're booking, I like booking it as a park hopping genie plus even more yes you'll have to wait two hours before you make your next genie plus reservation but you'll know for sure that's going to be after 2 p.m it's going to be when you park hop and so it's just a little bit less stress than hoping for a 9 a.m one on a hollywood studios day and getting at 3 p.m instead now standby line strategies if you're going to rope drop this, you really want to be there at least 45 minutes or on, honestly for Slinky Dog Dash, I would be there an hour before early theme park entry starts. Uh, if you're staying off site, forget about it. The line's going to be crazy by the time they let you in. What you're going to do is after you get into Hollywood Studios, you're going to line up towards the right. There will be cast members directing you towards Toy Story Land. Oftentimes they have signs that be like Galaxy's Edge this way, Toy Story Land that way. And Galaxy's Edge is usually left. Toy Story Land is right. And you really do not want to pass go. Do not pass Starbucks. Just go get as close to the rope as you can. And then as soon as they drop that rope, go straight to Slinky Dog Dash. After rope drop, it's going to be a consistently long line until the maybe the very, very end of the night. Another thing, like if you want to try, although I don't think it's a necessarily very reliable method, is you can wait until after a thunderstorm but you'll probably be waiting for them to open the ride back up after the thunderstorm and you definitely won't be the only person with this idea but it may you know shorten your wait time by 20 30 minutes so that you're waiting for 45 minutes instead of an hour 15 hour 30 but these standby lines do get pretty crazy yeah totally agree there are not a lot of great ways to hack the standby line i mean it's just get there hecka early on <laughs> early theme park entry and you know hope for the best or lightning lane and refresh a t very quickly at 7 a.m. That's really all you got here to get on Sleeky Dog without waiting an hour plus. All right, Joe, let's turn to our ratings. What would you give Slinky Dog Dash? How does it rate for you? Yeah, I was torn whether to give it an S or an A because it's so popular. I was like debating whether that was biasing me 
towards my ranking. But ultimately, I do think this is an S-tier attraction. It is definitely one of the best attractions at Walt Disney World. And one of the reasons I think it's an S-tier attraction is because it is a less thrilling roller coaster. It's one of the roller coasters that it's possible that your entire family, multi-generations, can enjoy like people with back problems can still probably handle it um don't ride it if you're pregnant but i think because so many people can enjoy it it's so well themed it's a lot of fun it is worth the extra effort that you make to get that genie plus or even to wait in line it's an s tier i almost wanted to dock it for being so hard to get on but it felt like unfair to the attraction itself like the attraction you know stands on its own and is an s tier attraction what about you leslie i had the exact same thoughts it was a wobbler for me between s and a and ultimately I decided it was an S tier because, I mean, it is just a really well-themed attraction. I want to ride it again and again and again. I didn't get to ride it last trip. And I, you know, that's the, the going to be the first thing that I do ride when I go back next time to Walt Disney World. But yeah, I mean, it is a great coaster for the whole family. It checks a lot of boxes. And, you know, there's so much in Hollywood Studios that really is sort of next level thrill ride that families can't access, that this feels like a great niche. And I think it's stood the test of time so far. I mean, it's been out for four years now and it's still like the most popular (laughs) lightning lane in Disney World. So that does speak to it. But yeah, I did want to dock it a little bit for being just such a pain in terms of constructing my touring plan, but not its fault. For sure. Uh, Oh, one standby line tip that we forgot to mention is if you do have someone who's shorter than 38 inches and there are only two adults in your party, or if uh, you have someone who is too scared to ride, you can utilize rider switch at this attraction. And so only one person has to wait in that standby line. Um, And so, you know, rider switch and the second person can not wait in line. Something to mention. Oh, and the other thing that I forgot to mention was there is a picture that they take a photo pass photo that they take on this attraction which uh, is often a lot of fun so that's um in there as well in case you have memory maker all right let's move on to the crown jewel of hollywood studios leslie at least if you are my son alien swirling saucers let's talk about the second new attraction that toy story land brought All right. This is probably the ride that we have talked about most on this podcast over the course of the last however many years. Right, Joe? Yeah, I feel like I I feel like I used to always talk about this attraction ironically, but now I feel like I am actually coming around (laughs) on appreciating this attraction, which is a a full 180 from where I started. For sure. For sure. I mean, I think we have now talked about Aliens Whirling Saucers more than Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. So here we go. Let's give it its due. Aliens Whirling Saucers opened along with Slinky Dog Dash the same time as Toy Story Land, June 2018. It does have a height requirement of 32 inches, but that's pretty low. I mean, that basically just takes out of the equation you know, babies and maybe the youngest of toddlers. So the kind of kids who couldn't really sit up on their own yet and sit in a seat. You know, I I never really have had an issue with that is when my kids were ready to ride, they were tall enough. You need a neck control. Yes, you need neck control to not get yourself whiplash. That's correct. So premise backstory from Disney is take an intergalactic spin with the adorable aliens from Toy Story. So why don't you give us the run through first of the queue, Joe? Yeah, so the queue is all outdoors about half of it is uncovered and then the back half is covered there are some stuff to push and pull and games to play with like buttons to press so there are a couple things to distract kids when they're in line but in general it's a pretty nothing cue everything is 
alien swirling saucers, a little bit Pizza Planet themed. One tip I have is that if you see that the queue has already made it to the under the part that is covered, uh, and you should be able to see this from the entrance of the attraction, at that point, it is 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes at most of a wait if the queue is all the way in there and the ride is running normally, which means both both sides are open. You know, they have two sections that uh, the attraction runs in. So if you see it undercover, uh, the reason why I know this is because I always look to see how close to the covered section the queue is, because if it's pretty close or, or if it's already in the covered section, I will go ahead and wait and stand by with my son for the attraction since it is like his favorite attraction. Now, one reason why Alien Swirling Saucers does end up having a wait is because it's a very low ride capacity. It's only like six to 800 people per hour from what we saw. And if you look at how it rides and then they have to walk through and check everyone's seatbelts, it is not the fastest attraction loading. And that's when they run it at as a 60 second attraction. So uh, it's a pretty short attraction and it is also low capacity, which is one of the reasons why, oh, I, I think I, I think my dislike for Alien Swirling Saucers is coming back, Leslie. This is working. Um, but yeah, I think that is one reason why, you know, it can be a tough ride at times. For sure. All right. Well, let's get to the ride itself. The ride is a whip ride. The whole premise of it is that you are being sort of flung in, as you go around in circles. If you've been on Mater's Junkyard Jamboree at Disney California Adventure, it is basically exactly the same ride with just different theming laid over the ride vehicles itself. So your vehicle is kind of in two parts. And there's the front part with the alien and the back part where you sit and kind of a pivot point between those two. And the vehicle goes on a turntable. And when it switches on to the next turntable, it whips around to one side. So you're kind of getting the sensation that you're in the back seat of like say a crowded car and then you know it's leaning into the turns and then it's like you know you're flinging yourself outwards so this is one where you're crushing the seatmate that you're riding with so you know parents with small kids uh you know you be careful because you definitely can uh, bump into they the both kid. love and hate that right they both love and hate that yeah right <laughs> And yeah, in terms of the actual attraction, like it starts with the alien saying something funny in the funny alien voice. And then you're just going to have some alien themed Toy Story or Toy Story adjacent music. You know, I was looking it up online. There was a YouTube channel that had listed out all the tracks and there was like over a dozen, like close to 20 different tracks. And then during the holidays, they have Christmas tracks as well, holiday themed tracks played. And one thing I didn't know is that the tracks differ slightly between daytime and nighttime, giving you more reasons to ride at different times during the day, Leslie. (laughs) Um, I joke, but the music is honestly probably the best part of the ride. I could very much take or leave the sensation of being whipped around. Although, you know, when your kids are giggling at your gigantic frame crushing them, that can be fun. But the music is the best part of the ride. So it, it is one of the best rides to stand outside of and watch because the you get to hear all the different music. All right. Aside from people who like to crush their children, uh, who else is this attraction for, Leslie? All right. So this attraction 
is definitely for folks, if you like the teacups, you're going to like this. If you liked Mater's Junkyard Jamboree in Disneyland, you're going to like this. I mean, this is great for kids like our sons, Joe, who don't love the thrill rides and the coasters and the drop rides yet, but they like a little bit of like something on edge. This gives you a little bit of edge, like crushing, you know, your kids or being crushed by <laughs> your kids. So definitely some mild thrills and just kind of a fun theme um, that's cute and is going to resonate with younger kids. And I mean, I have to say, I do enjoy riding myself too. Like we give it a lot of grief, but I never have a bad time on it. I mean, my only complaints about it really are just waiting too long for it, it being a pretty short ride. So not having, you know, quite the payoff for maybe even a short wait, like a 15 or 20 minute. Yeah. And another thing to note is it is an attraction where you can have three in a car. So if you have two smaller kids, you can ride with both of them and then you can have put one on each side and you can just let them lean into you. It can be a lot of fun. And yes, the mild thrills and the whipping around is very enjoyable for young kids. Uh, who might not like the attraction? Uh, I see in the notes here, it says anybody who isn't nuts. <laughs> but uh, I think I wrote that in there <laughs> as a joke. It does, you know, if you don't like the sensation of being whipped back and forth, I mean, you will get side to side whiplash and you will feel sick. Skip alien swirling saucers. Uh, you're definitely going to feel queasy after the attraction. If, you know, if you don't feel well in the teacups, you know, at least on the teacups, you can try to hold the thing in the middle to minimize the spinning. Well, on alien swirling saucers, you can't control how much you whip back and forth. So uh, maybe you should skip that. Uh, and also if you have neck and back problems, definitely might want to skip that as well. All right. So I will talk about the Genie Plus situation. I would say that it is probably the ride attraction that runs out of Genie Plus last at Hollywood Studios. You know, there's other things like Frozen Sing Along or Indiana Jones Stunt Show. They might run out later, but those are shows, so I count them in a different bucket. But in terms of your actual rides, this is the Genie Plus that is going to run out last. You can get it anytime you want in the morning, pretty much like in the morning before 11 a.m. Like if you want to ride it in five minutes, you can get a Genie Plus Lightning Lane for that. In the afternoon, you might have to wait an hour or two and it will sell out eventually, but really it won't sell out until everything else has. And times also pop up for Alien Swirling Saucers way more often than the other attractions because people cancel Alien Swirling Saucers Genie Plus Lightning Lanes all the time because they know they can get it later and they might want to, let's say Slinky Dog Dash pops up. You know, you cancel your Alien Swirling Saucers, Lightning Lane, so you can book Slinky Dog Dash. My suggestion in terms of Genie Plus, wait until the afternoon for it. Lines kind of peak between lunchtime and 3 p.m., 3, 4, 5 p.m. So if you are trying to ride the attraction a few times and want to get the most bang out of your buck from Genie Plus, wait until the afternoon to get a Genie Plus Lightning Lane for it. Now, what about those standby lines, Leslie? So if you have a kid like Joe's who wants to ride it again and again, the time to do that is park opening. I mean, there really aren't going to be any lines for the first 30 to 60 minutes after park opening because everybody else is making a mad dash for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge or for Slinky Dog Dash or for Tower of Terror. Everybody's trying to get those thrill rides in. So definitely can get several repeat rides first thing in the morning if that's important before those other crowds start wandering over. You can also get quite a few rides on this. Um, later in the evening, especially the closer you get to park closing, the lines really drop right before closing because people are getting in, again, the thrill rides to ride one last time. So, you know, also I think the demographic that this appeals to is younger kids and they're going to bed as well. So if your kid's a night owl or you're an older kid who likes this ride, this is the time to do it. 
All right, let's close things out with our tier for Alien Swirling Saucers. Why don't you go first this time, Leslie? What tier do you have Alien Swirling Saucers at? Oh, this was also a wobbler for me. I was between a B and a C. And I mean, I guess I'm going to ultimately go with a C. It's a fine attraction, but it's low capacity. It's a very short ride. And it's a copy of a lot of other attractions that sort of exist out there in the world. I mean, I'm giving it some bonus points because I think the theming is really cute and I like sort of the general overall feel of it, but it isn't one of the rides that I would prioritize myself if I were to go solo. Like I would absolutely skip it, but it's a ride I do for my kids. What about you, Joe? Yeah, I do not know what Jedi mind tricks my son has played on me because three years ago, this would have solidly been a D-tier attraction and I would not have thought twice about it. I, you know, it would have been straight in D-tier and it would have been wobbling between a D and an F-tier attraction, if I'm being honest. But I guess my son has like incepted me or something. He loves this attraction so much that I think I've started to appreciate it. And my tier ranking, I cannot believe I'm saying this, but this is a B-tier attraction for me. I do not know what is wrong with me, Leslie, and I do not know what has happened, but... I do feel like just because my son loves it so much and he has so much fun there. And honestly, the entire family really enjoys being on it, that it is a solid B tier attraction. I, I just, I don't know, Leslie, I I have to speak from the heart, but <laughs> the mind says <laughs> the heart is wrong, but well, B tier is what I am, what I'm at. Sometimes kids give us different perspectives on things. So that's valuable. So I, it's totally acceptable to me, Joe. I'm the adult. He's supposed to be listening to me, though. What's <laughs> happening here? So, Childlike wonder yeah. and all that. that. That swayed you. So there you go. Indeed. Indeed. All right. So as a review, uh, Slinky Dog Dash, we both had it as an S tier. Alien Swirling Saucers, I have as a B tier, unbelievably. And Leslie has it as a C tier. All right, Joe. Well, let's close this one out with our traditional Disney do or don't. What do you have for us? All right. I have a simple Disney don't. And that is don't ride alien swirling saucers even if it is a b-tier attraction if you notice that only one of the sides of the attraction is running it's very easy to see whether both sides are moving and you should also double check to see if both sides have people in them because sometimes they run the attraction only at half capacity on one side and in those cases even if you have a genie plus lightning lane you're going to have to wait for a long time. So if you're riding Alien Swirling Saucers, definitely make sure that both sides are going. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait for a long time. And if you still have to go because you have a kid like mine, then at least mentally prepare yourself to be waiting much longer than you think you are going to wait. Great tip, Joe. All right. Well, that does it for our Toy Story Land ride guide. Let us know your tier rankings for Slinky Dog Dash and Alien Swirling Saucers. You can email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, and I will see you crushing your son on Alien Swirling Saucers. Thanks, Joe.